755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Welcome to 755 is real. Presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70. Celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. The best cards money can buy. And if you guys didn't know that, there's no doubt about that, man. Topps rocks. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. And I'm with my co-host, Derek O'Flaherty, former Braves left-hander, badass reliever from the 2010, early 2010s. Right, Eric? Is that it? Early 2010s? Definitely not. Definitely not the last few years. Been a while, hadn't it, man? That seems like yesterday. You tell me. Seems like yesterday, man. Oh, the uh, the trio. Now that I saw Kimbrel still rocking and going over to the White Sox, man. Jesus! Didn't you come up with that shitty name? I did. <laughs> that's the best. That was the only nickname I think I have ever come up that stuck. I did. I just had nothing I've else. Ever, that was that was good though. Come on, you still remember it to this day? That means it was good. I remember my agent texted me like. What the? What are they calling you guys? Who came up with that? That's got to go. And it's stuck all year. <laughs> it was too easy, man. Yeah. What, what was it? Oventral. There you go. See? Yeah. <laughs> Johnny V. I remember the first time uh, Bobby Cox told us about Johnny Venters. We were, it was like second day of spring training. We were like, anybody catch your eye? Because Bobby, like, you know how you used to take the yeah, car back on the back? Yeah, he wants every bullpen. Yep, yep. He was, man, Bobby was People didn't realize how involved he was to spring training. He watched everything, you know? Everything. But he came back and talked about this young guy, Johnny Venters. He goes, Johnny Venters? Venter? We we're like, I thought, who's that lounge singer? I thought, that's, <laughs> a, that's not a real name, is it? Johnny Venters? <laughs> he said, oh, this guy's got an arm. Watch him. Left-hander. Those hard. Shit, first time I saw him throw, Billy Wagner was standing behind him just laughing his ass off. Yeah, he said, a breaking ball. He goes, in a breaking ball. That's no, just remember. Just I walked up next to Billy, and Billy was sitting back there giggling. He goes, "You got to see this." And Johnny throws a pitch, and I was like, "What was that? A changeup?" You know, because it moves so much. And they're like, "No, it's ninety three, ninety four, and it moves like that." Yeah, <laughs> something else. So um, we'll get to some stuff here. Uh, what? How about the how about the Cubs guys all going to the new teams and all hitting a home run in their debuts? How cool was that, man? <laughs> well, that's cool. You know, anytime you get traded, unless you're a Cubs fan, it sucks for <laughs> Cubs fans. It's they're in a tough place. I, I, you know, I think it's it's weird that a team like like the Cubs would have to resort to that too with a the big amount market of money team. They got to have the cash cow that the Wrigley Field is. I don't and, think and they own any all the excuse. property around it. Yes, it's yes. just a, it's an example of what's wrong with the game. If you ask there's me, there's no excuse for a team like that to be a tear down to the studs. Nope. Uh, to do that kind of rebuild, there's no excuse. No. This isn't the Astros struggling back in the day or the Pirates. You know, this is the Cubs, man. You're not going to ever see the Dodgers do that again. No. Now that the money they make, you're not going to see the Yankees do that. You know? Yeah, I don't. The, the Cubs are going to make so much damn money next year. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think, I guess, talking to people, they've lost a lot because all the, they own all those bars and everything right. around there, but they're going to make it back. But they lost a lot because they invested so much hundreds of millions, too, into that building, that mm-hmm. whole thing around the ballpark, which is yeah. just going to be a cash register, you know? Yeah. They're going to be printing money. Yeah. So they lost money, though. You're right, like the Braves did, because the Braves yep. own the battery, and they lost a lot of income from the battery from uh, 
from the apartments and the retail and all that year. So they lost more than other teams did, and the Cubs did too. But they make back more than those teams make because now everybody's packing those places, you know? So, yeah. Just like I'll say that the same thing about the Braves. They'll never be excused for the Braves to have another tear down to the Suds thing. And if they do what the Cubs did, I would rip them for that. There's no excuse now for the Braves to ever do that again. Too much money coming in. Yeah. But anyway, Steve, uh, uh, Chris Bryant looked looked great in that Giants uniform, man. He looks like he played for them forever. I mean, the Giants uniform looks great anyway. So so any kind of ball player – you know, a big put together guy that carries himself like looks great in that uniform. I mean, guy, look going back, looking like Willie McCovey in that uniform or Barry. He Bonds. looks good. Those are They're, great unis. They got some of the best and one of the best parks too. And that Rizzo looks like uh, he looks right in a Yankee uniform. And then Bias of all the teams, Bias could go to the Mets. Just yeah. feels right. Yeah, it does. And when he plays, when Lindor comes back, when those two are playing together, wow, up the that, middle. That middle infield, I'd pay money to watch those guys. To watch them take infield is going to be yeah. incredible because they're tight too. They're friends. Well, you're going to get paid to watch them. He said, Yeah, he said he's the only guy that he would move switch positions for was Lindor. That's how tight if, they are. I wonder if that was out there. I bet it was. I, I would think that I think you'd communicate or at least ask the agent before you trade with it for a guy like that if, if he's willing to play second base. Or going I mean, to be happy about it. It seems like Jed, even though I hate what they did, he was obviously instructed to do it. But uh, he sent those guys to some cool places, some good places that I don't think any of them are going to be pissed that they're there. No. I think the Giants, man, there's no excuse for them not making a big effort to re-sign Brian because I think he'd like to stay there. Yeah. Where's he from? He's, Is he California? He's West Coast, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's California. Yeah. I, I keep yeah. trying to figure out if they're legit. I mean, they're still going. Gossman's been a big thing for him. Yeah, and he and he struggled. He had some a couple of bad starts, but yeah, I think they're legit. But I think the Dodgers will end up winning it. But I think the Giants will get second now with the Padres without yeah. Tatis. Is that he having surgery? Everything. I don't know, but I looked bad the other day, man. Yeah. Which it just it just amazes me even more that he's been able to do what he's been able to do with that shoulder. It's obviously it's right there. It's it's it pops out anytime it lands wrong on it, swings wrong, whatever, and he's still been able to do what he's been able to do. Oh, he's been raking too. When he first Amazing. came back, I was like, I was watching him swing, and he looked like he was guarding it, you know. And changed the swing and kept raking. Changed the swing, and it took him a week. That's just guys, guys that you, yeah, you play with guys that are just like that, you know. They're just born to do this, but other guys know. Um. Meanwhile, Tatis's injury and and Degrom's injury because he's out now till September. They're saying mm. not only does it make the NL East even more wide open. Because the Mets without Degrom are that's a big that's a big blow. Makes a wild but, card a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it, you could definitely see somebody from the Central sneaking in, if not from the East. But I don't. I, the Padres are going to fall off a lot without Tatis, man. Yeah. Uh, but no, but I was thinking MVP race. Ooh. Think about the MVP race. Those were the two favorites, probably. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Tatis was certainly the favorite. It was his hands down if he kept playing. Is Freddie sneaking back in there? If Freddie keep, he slowed he slowed down the last week, but if he gets back on the pace he's been on for two and a half months, he could win the MVP again. And who's the I last time anybody back. repeated? Nobody's done that since Bonds, right? I wouldn't think so. I don't. In either I don't league, know, but I could be wrong, but I don't think they have. That'd be so cool after all the 
all the worry about him to, to turn around and at, even just being in the conversation says a lot about him. If he won it two years in a row in years where the first quarter of the season, he was pretty bad, you know? Heading into free agency. Because last year he was pretty bad for the first 15 games in a 60-game season. Yeah. This year is bad for the first month and a half of a six-month season. So, yeah. Yeah, how about that? If the Braves made that mistake of not signing him by now and he's a two-time MVP? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I may be dumb, but I still think it gets done. I think it gets done before the season's over. If not then, then right afterwards. But we'll see. Only I because just, Fr- Freddie I wonder wants how it to much get they're done. asking him to pass up. Only because Freddie wants it to get done. Yeah, because if Freddie was most players, yeah, he would be. He'd get pissed by by what's happened, the lack of communication. You know, if he was a lot of guys with the egos and all that, he'd be like. No, well, you no, talked about you know they, they might have wanted to they might have wanted to see some money coming in and things turn around yeah. and yeah everything and like right. that. But oh, Cam just said Pujols won back to back MVPs. Ah, he was on another level. Ah, that's right. Oh eight, oh nine, and Miggy in uh, twelve and thirteen. Those are those are special players. Miggy, yeah. Uh, Pujols won it in the year that uh, a lot of people thought Andrew should have won. Was that one of the back-to-back years or no? Oh eight and oh nine. So I don't think so. What was the year Andrew did that? That was oh five, right? When yeah, Andrew it was earlier. The, yeah. How many? How many Pujols went? Four, <laughs> three. I'd have to look that up too. Cam, producer Cam, I'm looking to. He's slow. Three, three times, three of three them. Three times. What was the other one? Oh five. Yep, oh five. You're right. That was the year Andrew led the led in 52 home runs and finished second. Because Pujols had the uh, the difference was runners in scoring position. I Andrew, bet you Andrew would win it now though with the emphasis on defense. Yep, I think you're right. His war would be through the roof. Yeah. And Pujols, first baseman. Yeah. I, I'd go back and look at the war that year. I didn't even look. But, uh, yeah, Andrew, if Andrew had hit 20 points higher with runners in scoring position that year, because he had so many runners in scoring position that year, because he had 100 and whatever, 120 RBIs or something. But he would have had 150 if he'd hit mm-hmm. like it's like two. If he'd hit like 280 with runners in scoring position, 300, he'd had like 150 ribbies. Yeah, at center field, playing yeah. like that. But 52 bombs, man, playing 52 bombs in a gold glove, and not a hitter's part. Nope, nope. Uh, so. In a span of four hours Friday, the Braves made four trades. And I know it got overshadowed by the deals because it was such a crazy di- tra- trade deadline day, day with, guy, with guys going to the Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees, Giants, White Sox, Phillies. Kind of got overshadowed by all that. But but you could argue the Braves made – I thought they should have got one more reliever. But you've already seen the difference in what Rodriguez has done in that bullpen. Yeah. He's looked good. Uh, he pitched perfect inning yesterday. He pitched both Saturday and Sunday. And it's allowed him to rest other guys when the guy goes six innings, you know, and just move other guys down. He, that's going to be a big addition. But I also like the Abbas Soler gave. Yeah. You know, he, he looked good. He looked better than I expected. And he didn't, he had an adventure on the first ball hit to him. Of course, the first pitch of the first game in right field, ball to the track, and he didn't know where the wall was, and he jumped, but he caught it. He caught yeah. it. And he, and, but he hasn't messed up anything out in right field yet. 
So I think he's going to be fine out there. He's not going to cost him out there. And Duvall's made a couple of nice plays out and left. So he's quickly yeah. adjusted to moving over there and showed that arm. Um, depending on how Rosario looks when he gets back, because he was hitting before he got hurt. Rosario was over like on a 20-game stretch before he got hurt. Moose could be the difference, I think, in them winning the division. Uh, I know people go, oh, I have same brace because they go out and lose two or three of the Brewers. Brewers yeah. are damn good, man. Yeah, they're not bad. I think the Brewers are the be- second-best team in the league and the only team I think that could, could beat the Dodgers head-to-head because the starting pitching is so good and the bullpen is so good. Their bullpen is nasty. Nasty. Those two that guys that Williams. they throw out there. Yeah, he's back what he was yes, last year. They, everybody knew he was throwing that changeup, mm-hmm. and they just can't hit it. I mean, it's it's like when it comes off, his hand almost rolls over the top of the ball. It's got so much spin on it. I thought they had him, and then just punchy, punchy. Yep, yep. So i i give him a I give him a mulligan on that game against him and Hater because yep. nobody hits those guys. Nobody. Look at Hater. Hater's fast. Everybody knows he's throwing a fastball. They can't hit it. Yep. Uh, so. That it's a little different than facing, say, the Mets bullpen or the Phillies bullpen. The Brewers bullpen is loaded, and yeah. those guys at the very back end. So the big thing was, if you look, the Braves hit their first their Friday and Saturday starters like few people have. Yeah, I mean they had like the highest hits and the highest run, earned runs that either of those guys have allowed this year. So uh, that was a good sign. And that Saturday game was pretty impressive, man. The the huge yeah. Dansby game. Yeah. So good <laughs> yeah. lord. I think I think I'm onto it, man. I think he's just selling out, trying to put up put up those big homers and RBIs. If he strikes out, he strikes out. But doing that as a shortstop, I'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, and another area of uh, concern that for this team, I think it's been a big big setback, a big uh, problem for them. Um, but I think those trades, though, I think if they'd have stood pat, I don't know if they would have had much chance. But I think these trades could be a difference maker. That and getting Darno back in a couple of weeks. All of a sudden, yeah. you're catching – because right now, you're not getting any really much of any offense. Votes, okay, but you're not getting any offense. No power threat whatsoever from the catching spot. You add Darno in there, lengthens that lineup. Because the lineup's already a lot deeper with Solaire oh, added. so much different. Yeah. With Peterson and Solaire, and now you add Darno. You get Rosario back. If he's doing anything at all, the bullpen – I mean, the lineup looks totally different than it did three weeks ago when you had the bottom four spots are like outs, you know? Yeah. So I, I like the moves. I, like I said, I would have added another reliever, but I like the moves so far. And uh, we'll see. Rich Rod looks looks better than I expected because I looked at his numbers in the last, you know, whatever appearances were up a little bit, but he looked good. So, you know, and for the year, his numbers are still great. Yeah. I thought he threw a little harder, but even, you know, I, what I liked watching him, you know, 93, 94 was just that he was attacking hitters. Yeah. He was coming at him. There wasn't any dilly-dallying, you know. I mean, it was just he was firing at him and challenging him, and that's that's so important as a reliever. You know, you start walking guys, you're just playing with fire, but he went right after him. Man, why come some guys get away with that and other guys can't? I mean, it's location, right? You know what? It doesn't even always make sense, but it's like as a pitcher, if you throw a pitch tentatively, it gets hit hard like 98% of the time. And you can throw 88 right down the dick. And if you're aggressive with it, yeah. they just miss it. You get pop-ups. It's There's yeah. so, something about conviction that just plays every time as a reliever. But that's what you see guys lose their confidence. And it's just the way you attack hitters when you're not confident. 
the ball just doesn't quite have that life to it. Yeah. Even if it says 97 on the, on the radar gun, it's like it's it's just seeable or hittable. It's weird. Because he's not going up there complimenting it like with a great changeup or a great breaking ball, or whatever. He's just, just going up there guys. throwing strikes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I always tell I always tell young guys that you watch some hitting or pitching coach or hitting coach throwing BP. These guys can't even get their arm above their shoulder. Their body's so wrecked, and they're yeah. they're throwing from close, but they're throwing right down the middle on purpose. And you still see hitters ground out, pop up, miss balls, and it's like it's just that hard to hit a baseball square. So you just you have to you have to compete. You have to challenge guys or. You give a few free passes, a guy runs into one, all of a sudden, you know, you set yourself up for a big inning. But it's it's just all about your attitude, and some guys just have it, and some guys don't. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. So, Sunday, the Braves lose 2-1. God, so many one-run games this year with this yeah. team. They went one for nine with runners in scoring position. Here's a remarkable thing. It's the first loss for the Braves this century, in the 2000s, in a game in which an opponent had no more than three runners reach base. They had three runners reach base, the Brewers did, all day. One of those was Adamas on the home run the first inning off Charlie. Charlie pitched really well other than that home run. Yeah. It was like, um, last time it happened, I was covering this team on the other side. This game from the other side, the Marlins. Cliff Floyd hit a walk-off in the 10th inning, October 2nd, next to the last game of the season, 1999. Cliff had the only two hits for the Marlins that day. The only guy that reached base for them. They won one nothing. He had a walk off in the tenth inning. <laughs> so it had not happened since then for the for the Braves and for the Brewers. They had not won a game in which they had three or fewer runners reach base since 1978. That's how weird that game was. That's what kind of year it's been. You know, I mean, that, yeah. that's what gives me hope, though, is because if you look at if you look at years past, they they won those games. You know, yeah. the last two three years at least, they they win those games every time. The situations they got into, especially off of Williams, you know, somebody would come up and get a big hit. Yeah, and it's just like it's been all year they haven't been able to get it. And you know, maybe if it's maybe some of it's just things leveling out because they had so many miracle wins the last few years, but. I just feel like at some point things are going to start clicking and they're going to start getting those hits. Well, they're due for a shitload of them with runners in scoring position. I'll get to that yeah. in just a second because they have really struggled in that area. Um, uh, Charlie said, and Charlie's really honest, man. Charlie is optimistic. Our, our Charlie believes in this team too, but he's not as much uh, just – he doesn't just spout all the the cliches about, you know, he's – realistic and he keeps saying we just got to get momentum we got to get on one of these runs and i know we yep. can do it but at the same time he goes but we haven't done it so i mean until we do it you know he's he's but he's been there in these situations with good teams and all that knows what the he know he loves the chemistry on this team but you can see the frustration in his voice that they have not been able to get on one of these runs yet because he loves not a single the hot streak the team. none none not one hot streak the whole season which is and, almost harder to do than stay yeah. win every other game and and he's liked this chemistry of this team and the pieces of it ever since spring training, since he yep. joined them. That you, that's why you can tell when he's talking about him, he doesn't just go, yeah, well, guess got to get on a roll. He doesn't do it like that. He's like, we just got to get on a run, and we haven't done it yet. Because, but I know we can do it, you know? So I asked him, are they better? Are you guys better situated to do it now after these trades? You know, and he goes, yeah, we are. And then, But he's like, but, you know, you still haven't done do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, I feel like on both sides of the ball, we've been doing a pretty good job. It's just this anomaly of the win and loss, the win and the loss. It's kind of a microcosm of the season as a whole. 
because we just haven't been able to get a ton of momentum. And he's talking about this streak that they're on, which is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It's stupid. They're eight and nine since the all-star break and they haven't won two in a row or lost two in a row in that entire stretch. One loss, one loss, one loss, one loss. That's crazy, man. It's a record. It's a major league record. It's never been done before. For 16 games, they've done it. They've actually done it for 17, but get this. This is the funky way. They don't count the first game because they lost the last game before the All-Star break, and then they lost the first game after the All-Star break, and then they won, right? So the pattern doesn't start until that win and then the loss. It doesn't start with that first loss, in With other the words. two losses in a row. Right. It still should. Right. I mean, it's the same right. pattern. Right. It should start with that second loss, right? Loss one, loss one, but it doesn't. It starts with the win. It's not a record you want to set, so I don't no. think they care. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's an unofficial record. It's going to go by the wayside when they finish that game against the Padres because the way Major League does with all these rules and reg, uh, records and everything, that game goes back into the spot where they started it. Yeah. So they're either going to win or lose that game, so it's going to end the streak gotcha. retroactively. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. So, but yeah, it's one of those funky things that in the future is going to be an asterisk. The Braves did this, and but, but I don't even know if they'll bother mention it. But anyway, it's a weird streak, man. Weird. Um, <laughs> the fact that they haven't gone on like a five game winning streak this year is just crazy when you look at what they've got. Now I know they've they've been without three of their four Silver Slugger Award winners for for at least half the season each in each case. Um, but still, they've had Freddie Freeman and Acuna and Riley and Swanson and, you know, and the pitchers they have. You would think they'd reel off five in a row at some point. <laughs> even bad teams do that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I bet if you looked, even the Marlins or Orioles yeah. or somebody's racked off like four in a row. And they've the just. The Marlins started out strong, remember? Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they do that every year. Te- they've played some bad teams, you know, along the way. But just can't do it. But at the same time, they haven't had one of those long skids either. And, and if they were ever going to have one of those, it was going to be in this thing coming out of the break. I know a lot of yeah. people are frustrated that they didn't make more hay during this, but you look at this strict st- stretch they just came out of. That's and, a t- It's not like it was an easy stretch. So, I mean, if you're going to do it, yeah, against these teams. I don't know if anybody's faced a tougher stretch this year. When you look at what they – they just played 18 games against – coming out of the stretch, they played 18 games against the Rays – the Padres, the Phillies, the Mets, the Brewers. Well, the Rays are now in first place ahead of the Red Sox. That means they faced three of the six division leaders, plus the yep. Phillies and the, the Mets. The, well, that's yeah, one of the well, division the, leaders, yeah. No, the Phillies, uh uh what was the other team? The Padres, they're not a division leader. The Phillies and the Padres. Yeah. So that's two another team that's one of the best three, team, four teams in the in the league. And the Phillies who are, are right there with the Braves in second place in the division. Is there so, an equally easy stretch plotted out? Or, okay, starting good. now. Yeah. Starting now. That's the crazy thing is they go from their hardest stretch of the season to arguably their easiest stretch of the season coming up. So uh, they've got this stretch – I looked at the uh, the winning percentage of these teams coming in. Are um, starting with the uh, with the Cardinals on Tuesday. Let me look at this. Uh, now they they really have a chance to, after these trades, and you get you know they really have a chance to do something. And Anderson could be back in another week and a half. 
Uh, Darno, you know, Anderson's about ready to go out on his rehab assignment. Darno probably been two weeks. But in this stretch now, they got a chance to really, with the starters pitching the way they are right now, they could really go in and do some damage against these teams they gotta, they're going to face. Cardinals, uh, Nats, Orioles, Marlins. And those three of those teams just stripped down or, or traded. They were sellers, everybody except the Cardinals. So, I mean, they should go in and clean up against the Nats. You look at the team the Nats are running out there right now with the injuries they've had. Did you see the list of of players that had been traded from the Nats and the Cubs before their their series against each other? No, it was like oh eighteen guys. <laughs> like from the start of the season, they traded away eighteen total players or something like that. It was just a list of guys that started the year and were gone. Soto's got to be looking at it, going, "Jesus, man, what happened?" Yeah, <laughs> and he's raking now. By the way, yeah. He's raking when they needed him too early, though, when they still could have been in this thing. So, they, yeah, they start, they go from that 18 game stretch to this 18 game stretch starting Tuesday against St. Louis, has two series against the Nationals in that stretch. The Reds, that's the only other good team in that stretch. The Reds are still pretty good. I mean, they're, they're fighting their way good. into it, especially right. with Votto hitting Votto's seven homers. Going nuts. Yeah, it's going nuts. Uh, Orioles and Marlins. Those teams have a combined 454 winning percentage for 18 games they're going to face. So, and a lot of them are a lot lower than that too. So yeah. How about Votto dude? Just when I've written the guy off. Cause I had a couple of years ago, I'm like, he's just not the same Joey Votto. And last year, just not the same Joey Votto. And now look at him all of a sudden. And he came this close to hitting an eight straight home run. Yeah. Hit the top of the top fence. of the wall. He said he was trying to hit homers, which he's so weird. You know, like his, <laughs> everything he does, I've seen him have some at bats where he chokes up like seven inches on the bat yeah. and just tries yeah. to chip something to left. I mean, he. I feel like he could have gone through a span where he wasn't going to try to hit homers for however long. Yeah. And then he just decided, you know what? I'm going to try to hit homers. And he was hitting bombs. Opposite field, 20 rows deep all of a sudden. I mean, that's what I remember him for. That's kind of like uh, Ichiro, man. He's got that kind of back control and ability yep. to do. Kind of like what you're talking about, Tatis, how he can change things up. Uh, and Still and, rake. Yeah, and uh, adjust accordingly. And, and uh, yeah. Vado is uh, he's pretty special with the bat, man. He's bat. He's an, he's a throwback with the bat control and what he can do. And and God, he sh- I just had written him off for the power, though. I just didn't think he was that guy anymore at all. I think he just decided to be it again, and he's good enough to do that. Yeah, you know, he might have had something. I know he got criticized for walks for a while and on base percentage instead of trying to hit home right. runs for having too for for taking too many walks when yeah. his team needed him to be that guy. Yeah. Maybe expand your strike zone a little bit and drive in those two runs because they because yeah. he was the star on the team making you yeah. know two fifty a, a fourth of their payroll yeah or, or more than that yeah that's what the uh, the uh, broadcaster ripped him for the legendary Marty Brenneman that's what yeah. he ripped him for and said you know I'll be around yeah yeah he he said he said something along the lines of this might he's not the guy for this team now when they stripped the payroll down and they were still paying him his thirty million or whatever. Marty was like, he's not the guy for this team now. They don't need to be paying that much, spending that much of the payroll. But they kept him. And I, I don't know. Around. I mean, I hear they that stuff, and I, I think there's so much value, especially with all the teardowns and the guys trading people away. Like, I saw a picture of a kid's bedroom that had Baez, Rizzo, and uh, Bryant jerseys framed on his wall. Like, there's, there's a lot of value for me and your team retaining yep. some superstars just for the value of that to your franchise and, and for the fans to – have one player they want to go watch, like what Felix was in Seattle during their whole thing. What Freddie you know, I mean, Freeman was. 
what Freddie was that whole time. You got to have somebody that kids can buy their jersey yeah. and feel like absolutely they want to go to a game and watch the team. You know, I mean, I think there's a lot of value in that. That'd be like, you know, if the Braves traded Ozzy Albies, there's so many kids love him or Acuna, obviously they're not going to trade Acuna, yeah. but um, yeah. Well, if they the broke it down though, and then they decided to. let's get rid of Acuna because we don't, we're not trying to win right now. And he's this, he's yeah. got such a team friendly contract. They wouldn't, but that same thing is like, right. you take that away from the fans too, on top of already trying yeah. to lose, you know, I think you got to retain some stars and, and give people just Absolutely. a familiar face. Right. When your team's bad, you got to have a couple of guys on it that people want to go out and see every day. The Felix Day in Seattle, they were terrible for years, but they'd still get the yeah. house packed when Felix pitched. People that people that are like uh, a lot of the analytics, and I don't want to shit on the analytics people because they're great, uh, but a lot of people that just look at numbers, yeah, they, they don't understand the business of people in the ballpark. You've still got to have a team that people want to go see, and you can't do that with a bunch of prospects because right. they don't want to go out and see people they don't know, even if yeah. they've got huge ceilings. Yeah, but he's got a high ceiling. He's going to be a superstar someday. No, they want to see yeah. players that are good now yeah. and that can hit home runs now. And that have charisma and, you know, yeah. that's, you got to have a couple of those guys. So it's a lot of value in that. There's no business model, by the way, that's that, that in which trading Acuna makes sense. There is Ever. no business model. No, 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 with his contract. no, no. Even if he was making 35 million a year, I would say no. you don't trade him. Um, so, yeah, Charlie said, but he had a good point. He said, the silver lining is that we haven't gone the other way. We haven't gone the right. wrong way. We're still in the fight. We just need to get that momentum going. These additions seems like good dudes, talented dudes. Hopefully over this next month we make a push into September and we can play some really, really exciting games down the stretch. That was the other thing Alex has always put a lot of emphasis on, asking people on the team or other teams about the guy's character because they don't want to bring in a bunch of shits and misanthropes that, won't, that are going to disrupt the chemistry. And the guys they brought in, by all accounts are good dudes, you know, yeah. that can get along with others that know people on the team already or whatever. They can fit right into the thing. And uh, so that's big too, down the stretch. Cause throughout the whole thing, a lot of teams might've gone South when they struggled with all the injuries and all that and kind of fell back. A lot of teams might've gone from five to 10 games back with a shitty clubhouse and the Braves have yeah. maintained a good clubhouse through this whole thing. Well, that's that's why I remain confident in them too, is because I believe in the unit. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you've seen what they can do the last few years and it, it hasn't gone their way, but I believe in the unit. I believe in, in the guys, the team they have. And yeah. there's nothing saying they can't get hot and, and tear things nothing. up for a while. And nothing. you don't look at the, the division. Trip. And, yeah, it could be this trip. And you just don't look around the division and think there's there's a team we can't compete with, we can't beat. Like when we were chasing the Phillies all those years, they had Holiday, Cliff Lee, right. Oswald. Right. They're, we knew it was going to be, it was going to take them, like everything was going to have to fall in place to win that division and beat those guys. We were playing for a wild card. Yeah. But this division, it's like, yeah, there's not a team that scares me. You know what, Team Wood? If, if the Mets had Lindor from Cleveland, if he was playing yeah. like he did in Cleveland, DeGrom was healthy. And DeGrom and was healthy. And was healthy. And, and Cindergaard, yeah. And then you add Baez, that team would be running away with the division. But that's yeah. not the team they have. Yeah, and you Lindor, can say the same thing about the Braves. And Lindor has struggled all year. Who knows if he's going to ever catch fire this year? Yeah. DeGrom is out until late September. So they count that out. So that's not And the that same was a free thing. win every five days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, they're imminently beatable. The Braves yeah. just had back-to-back -back series against the Phillies and Mets, and you could talk, you could flip a coin each day of who's going to win those games. Yeah. So 
Braves have just as good a chance to win this division as anybody else in the division, if not better. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what the odds are in Vegas and all that, because I'm just looking at with DeGrom out, you know, and with uh, with with Lindor playing the way he's been playing this year, it's 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 wide open. And the Braves made these moves. We'll see. You know, but they, if if Darnold comes back hitting at all, that's a huge ad. If he's just hitting at all, he doesn't even have to hit like last year. Yep. But if he's hitting 250 with power, that's a big ad compared to what oh, they're yeah. getting out of catcher right now. Well, just pushing Dansby down the lineup too. Yep. You know, I mean, you saw what he can do, and that yep. he was more in that position in the lineup before. He wasn't being asked to hit two. He wasn't being asked to hit five or six. He was down seven, eight, doing his thing. That that every guy you can push down farther makes a big difference. Other thing is uh, the real good sign this weekend. Sunday they lose two one. They got they got Charlie and three relievers though combined on a three hitter with no walks. They had three relievers throw a uh, throw a uh, perfect inning apiece including Rodriguez, but the guy that's really kind of surprised me because I was kind of wondering is Matzik. He's really looked a lot better again lately. Yeah. He's yeah. really looked a lot better. Snit said he did some kind of adjustment. Snit wasn't really clear. He doesn't go into depth with the pitching coach on this stuff, but he said he's got an adjustment in his arm, uh, arm swing, what he's doing with his arm, that he's it's freed him up a little bit. I'm not sure what he's doing, but Matzik has looked a lot better after not pitching for a while, much for a while. <laughs> If he's had the yips in the past too, you know, any little yeah. change like getting rid of pine tar, yeah, you know, and I don't, I don't think a pine pine tar guys as as really cheaters. I think of the spider tack guys as cheaters, but yeah. pine tar. I mean, guys use that to get a grip. They didn't even know the benefits of it. But even if you've got the yips and that little change happens and the little bit of doubt creeps in, yeah. it'd be pretty easy, you know, for him to kind of take a step back and and doubt his control a little bit and and get into a little funk. But if he's if he's figuring out, that's huge. And the other thing I like about, you know, getting another reliever is it gives Snit the opportunity to give a guy that's had a couple rough outings a layup. Yeah. You come in, you know, say you're a lefty, you come and you struggled a little bit. You come in and you face their dipshit lefty off the bench yeah. in a good matchup. Yeah. And there's two outs, runners on first and second. You get to throw a big out, but it's such a favorable matchup. You throw one out and you're out of the game. Now you're riding high. Now things yeah. are going your way again. When the bullpen's struggling, you keep having to throw guys into situations that could be challenging for them. And if they're already in a rut and then they struggle again, you know, their confidence just keeps going down. Yeah. So the more depth you have in, in the bullpen gives you a chance to take a guy that might not be perfect for the role, but you have to use him and not use him in that and give him some layup outings to get his confidence back. That's a good point. I haven't really thought about it that way. Um, it's huge. And then uh, the other thing is Tomlin has not been the guy lately that he was last year. The year before? Yep. <laughs> but how big has Jesse Chavez been, dude? He's doing <laughs> he's that another role. Guy. He's another guy that's just got balls. He's a great man. Yep. Yeah, he's another like like I was talking about Rodriguez. He's another guy who goes in there, he's not throwing 98. He's just got balls. He came he's into so that situation good. in Cincinnati, I think it was first and second, one out or no outs, gets a punchy in a double play. You don't get out of that without balls. If you're yep. doubting yourself or scared or overwhelmed by that situation – that's why guys. That's why you like having some veterans down there because they're yeah. not going to be intimidated by that. But you come in intimidated there, and you think about if I give up a homer here, if I give up a double, if you start thinking negatively, it's easy for that to spiral out of control. But if you go in there with balls and just yeah, say you know what, maybe one scores, but I'm getting out of this. It's crazy how many times you get out of the whole inning. And and down the stretch, I mean, once they get Ian Anderson back, if you know what comes back at 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 anything at all, they're going to have a couple of guys to add to that pin. Because they're yep. going to have like seven starters. A couple of those yep. guys are going to have to pitch out of the pen down the stretch and see what you want to do. But, I mean, it's a tough call. I don't know who you're going to put in there. But 
Well, you just saw the effect that had, though, playing Milwaukee. It turned into a seven-inning game all of a sudden with those yeah. two guys they have. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's huge. Um, Braves fell to 16 and 20 in one-run games this year and 24 and 32 in games decided by two or few, one or two runs. Last year, they were 11 and six in one-run games. So we went from 16 to 20, 16 to 20 to 11 and six. And last year, they were 14 and seven in games decided by one or two runs. This year, 24 and 32. I mean, it's just night and day, the difference. And that's not all on the bullpen either. That's on something I'm about to discuss is hitting with runners in scoring position, but hitting in late and close situations. Yep. They have been so shitty in the late <laughs> innings of close games this year that it is mind-numbing. I mean, people say we've been terrible with runners in scoring position or with runner at third base and two outs. The numbers don't back that up. They're not that bad in those spots. Runners scoring position. It's in late and close situations because that's what everybody remembers, you know? Yeah, yeah. They've been terrible in late and close situations. And it's that's one of those things that they're going to have to go in and starting next year in spring training because you can't do it in the middle of the season. You can't change your whole approach. But they're going to have to focus on this because they've been good at it in the past. But guys are going up there swinging for the fences. Guys are going up there swinging for trying to drive in all three runs with one swing. And they are not taking great approaches at the late innings, close games. Way too many swinging misses, too many strikeouts in those situations. How many of those are guys that they weren't planning on giving at bats to, you know, to start the? Is that the bottom half of the lineup doing well, a lot of that, or is that everybody? Let me ask you. Say, I'm going to ask you a question. First of all, all right. they're dead last in the majors in both average and OPS. Late and close. In late and close situations, they were sixth in the majors with an 8.32 OPS last year in those situations. Ozuna and Freddie were like the best, right? Uh, this year they have a 580 OPS in the late innings of close games. Okay. They're hitting 191 in the late innings of close games, 30th in the majors, right? Now here's the one that's a shocker. Would you agree Dansby Swanson has a reputation for being a clutch hitter? Because he's got yeah, a lot of big, a lot that's of clutch how I hits. Look at him. Especially yeah. in his first few years, he made a lot of clutch hits. Had some walk offs, had some big home runs that tied it. But well, this year, in late and close situations, and if you, technically that's like seventh inning or later in a game where it's like one run or tied, I think it's three or less. Yeah, or you have the tying run on deck, that kind of thing. I think three or less counts as late and close. All right. So in late and close situations, Dansby Swanson. Has the, of qualified major league hitters, that's who have enough plate appearances to qualify, right? So anybody that plays all the time, plays regularly, has the lowest batting average and the lowest OPS in the majors. Oof. Dude, he's hitting 103, four for 39, no extra base hits, 13 punchies. That's the thing. One out of every three bats, he's striking out in those situations. 289 OPS. I wouldn't that, have pinned him for that. Never. Just you know, because I don't I don't take notes, you know, but right. just watching him, I always feel like he does get those big hits. More than a hundred points lower than the next worst OPS in the majors in late and close situations. Mm. Okay. But that but not just that though. Adam Duvall, who they just added, so it really doesn't count. He hasn't been on the team all year. Yeah. But this is what they added. He's got the eighth lowest average in the majors, 146, and the 14th lowest OPS, 507, right? 14 strikeouts and 41. And you saw that again in, in his two days here. He's already done that a couple of times. 
But the one here's another one that some people this one might want it won't surprise like Dansby. Ozzy Albies this year, 11th lowest average in the majors qualifiers, late and close situations, 150. 12th lowest OPS, 505. So with Duvall added, the Braves now have three of the 11 lowest batting averages in the majors in late and close situations. 30 teams, they have three of the 11 lowest averages, three of the 14 lowest OPSs in those situations. And here's the other end of that. Their highest batting average in late and close situations belongs to a guy that's only been on the team for two weeks, Jock Peterson. And Jock's hitting 296th, which ranks 36th among major league qualifiers. Jock Peterson, 296, right? He's the only Brave in the top 50 in batting mm-hmm. average in late and close situations. So it's a well, team-wide that, systemic thing this year. That explains the whole season, if you ask me. That's a lot of runs. And all yeah. those one-run games are so yeah. winnable that people pin it on the bullpen. It's not just on the bullpen. They end up getting the L or the blown save or whatever. Yeah. But if they got hits like they did last year in those situations, they don't lose those games. Well, that's taxing, too, when you're a reliever and every single game is one run or two runs yeah. or close. And if you blow it, the team never comes back. I mean, it's always a consolation prize if you come in and blow a lead and the team comes back and wins. You're kind of like you get you're down. W. You're down on yourself because you gave up a two spot. But at least we won the game. Yeah. You know, so you don't feel that pressure of answer. You do. You honestly, you don't even answer questions after that. Yeah. If the team comes back, it's on to somebody else. But when they don't come back, it's like media's at your locker. Well, I've read those numbers before on the extra innings, which are just unbelievably bad. They're hitting mm-hmm. in extra innings. I mean. Just ridiculous. You like you could not try to be that bad, you know, in extra innings as they've been. Uh, they haven't mastered that tenth inning rule, but that's a small part of this. But extra innings, they've been terrible. But this is seventh inning and on in close in close situations, and they've just win five of those games. They're in first place. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that explains the whole season, honestly. And they were so good at it last year, so. Uh, and by the way, Acuna, he was 104th in that category. He was hitting 192, 5 for 26 in late and close situations. But should be noted, he had 10 walks, 421, 421 OBP. But he had the, he had 11 strikeouts and 26 at-bats. To me, that's something they have to focus on next year, beginning in, in, in spring training. Well, they got to focus on it now. I'm sure they're aware of it. Yeah, I'm, every player has to know. You know, I come it's up with big at bats and I've struggled. You, you you feel those a lot more than a second inning tough AB. Whatever you can do now to change it, but to 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 cut down on the swing and miss in those situations. But it's the strikeouts that are killing them in those situations. No. It's not putting the ball in play, not making the other team make a play. You know, because lately a couple of times they've made the team make a play and they've screwed it up, and you've seen what can happen. You know, yeah. when you just make the other team make that throw, that tough throw that, you know, they could bounce it past first base, but you get two runs on a play. But if you strike out, you got no chance. There's yeah. just the strikeouts have just piled up in those situations. And I understand why that frustrates the hell out of fans. Because yeah. they see a guy, see, they t- see the, put, the team start out an inning with two singles. You got two guys on base. And the next three guys go down with a strikeout, strikeout, you know, and then a pop-up on with the, when you can't do that. You know, well, it happened outs. yesterday. Yeah. But that, that that's that's another side of it too. But those, those are late great close, relievers. Yesterday, late and close relievers, your face. Every team seems to be pretty stacked with one or two guys that can pile up strikeouts. There's 
no late and close relievers coming in that don't have the stuff anymore. But we're talking about 17 and on, and we're talking about compared yeah. to other teams. So we're putting it in context. No, that's that's a problem. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure they're aware of it. It's yeah. And sometimes it's just one of those things that this, this season, whatever reason, certain guys struggle, you know. I mean, it's easy to say, that, well, they're probably feeling pressure and pressing more as it goes on. But some years you just suck at one thing. And as a unit, you suck at it. And there's no explanation for it. You know, I mean, they could have the same approach they had in the past and everybody could be loose and they're just waiting for it to turn around and it just hasn't. You know, I mean, that's some things you just chalk up to just that's baseball, but yeah. that's something that they got to fix, you know, to to win the division. You're not going to win a division doing that late. By the way, that was the, this is another one of those weird things. That was the ninth loss in a row when they had a chance to get to 500. Yeah. <laughs> They are one and eleven in those last such games. The last one they won was when they uh, July tenth when they got to forty four and forty four, and then the record when they get to five hundred zero. Is, yeah, they've <laughs> lost like multiple losses each time. You know, the, but that crazy stat about getting to five hundred, man, one and eleven. Jesus, there was a year we couldn't win on Mondays. Yeah, no matter what, and then I think we did something weird. Like we just wore everybody on the team wore our pants up. You know, some tired thing that like a college team would do. Yeah. And all of a sudden it worked, you know. I mean, sometimes you just do something stupid to just trick your mind out of it. But I don't I don't see them finishing the season. I think they'll get well over 500 by the end of the year. Um, Dansby Swanson's game on Saturday. Oof. My God, I know it's a bad time to talk about Dansby after I just said that. But two homers, seven RBIs. He had a grand slam, a two-run homer, and an RBI single. This is it's crazy. Like Freddie last year when he had never hit a grand slam and he hit two in one weekend, Friday yep. and Sunday. Dansby had never said he said he never hit one at any level. Amateur ball, no level at all. Now he's hit two in 10 days. <laughs> it's baseball. Baseball, man. I mean, there's just stuff you can't explain. Uh, but he said uh, – yeah, he's been on a roll, man. He's hit, he's been hit for power. Him and Riley both have been on surging, picking up a lot of the slack without Acuna in there, which they've had to do. So they can just keep that going and get Freddie back doing what he was doing up until a few days ago. And you know, the offense the offense has not been a problem overall. That late and close is a problem, but the offense overall has not been a problem. It's been like Charlie was talking about yesterday. The problem is they've scored in so many – they've had so many games, three or four games, where they scored like 15 runs. And then they have so yeah. many games where they score two or one or none. So That's why I don't love run differential. Yeah. Like, you know, I know it I know it evens out over time. But, I mean, especially, especially now you've got position players pitching once you're up 10-1. Then you bump it up to 17-1, you know, off, off of a position player. Yeah. I think it's, it's a useful stat to look at. And I think the Braves are the best in the division at it. But it's – you know, it's – it's not always that telling because you can have another stat where you're not hitting late and close and, and you don't win those games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Friday, Friday they had, they faced Corbin Burns and they got nine hits and in four innings against him, knocked him out of the game. So yeah. I mean, that was impressive. Uh, and they had the day before against Taiwan Walker, another all-star torched him too. torched him. I mean, they hit, they've hit good pitching. That's another thing that Braves can feel good about too is Taiwan Walker hasn't pitched too many full seasons. You know, he could he yeah. could get a little tired this year and he's been big for the Mets. Good point. Yeah, and the Grom's stretch, out. Yeah. 
So, yeah, they've had some really good pitching. Woodruff, they had some really good bats against Woodruff, who's nasty. Nasty. Came in with, like, lowest ERA in the league. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. This edition of uh, Solaire, did you forget how soon? How, it was only 2019 when this guy hit 48 bombs. In Kansas City. 48 It's our place bombs. to hit 48. God. Yeah. I asked him about that season. He was like, man, I just felt good and everything. All those home <laughs> runs. <laughs> but uh, he said lately he's been getting back to – he's feeling good again at the plate. So the Braves might – that might have been a great buy for the Braves. That's what Charlie said. You know, I remember the guy in Kansas City 2019, and and he said uh, uh, he's – you know, he's talking about what a presence he is. You know, he's a big dude. He gets in a box, and he's like, whoa. <laughs> this dude's like a bodybuilder up there. Yeah. He's, he's put together. Well, that, that's a lot of what I'm talking about too, you know, especially if he's hitting a little farther down the lineup. Yeah. When you get down the lineup and you get some utility guy that you know can't hurt you, it's a lot easier to pitch with conviction than when you see a monster stand in that batter's box that you know if he runs into one. Yeah. Like he can miss it and still hit a homer off you. You know, so you're going to be a little bit more timid and careful with guys like that. It, it makes a difference having that depth down there. So, yeah, when, when you have the lineup at the bottom, when you have Soler and Rosario down there and Dansby sitting down there in the order and uh, you know, Duvall, you know, somewhere in the middle, that that's a, yeah, the lineup looks a whole lot different than it did a couple You don't look ago. at it like, you know what, if I make mistakes this inning, I might give up three singles and a run. Like if you're off and you face that bottom portion, you know, you could walk a guy, give up a bloop single, and then it's like I could give up a three-run homer here. Yeah. You know, all, all those guys can hurt you with a solo shot too. It's just, just different. By the way, Dansby has 20 homers now. Yeah. On pace for 31. Last Braves, you know, remember the last Braves middle infielder to have a 30 homer season? For Cal? 30. No, hit 30? no, no. He only hit like 15. Oh, uh, I thought he had a few big years. Come on, man. Your boy. Simba didn't hit 30, did he? No, no. That's, yeah, not Simba. He had like 17 one year, I think. Your boy. Shortstop that hit 30? No, I said middle infielder. Oh, middle. I thought you were saying shortstop. Middle yeah, infielder. Dan did it. Dan Uggs. did it. Uggs, 36 in 2011. Yeah, that was a fun year. Uggs with the 36-game hitting streak. The helicopter. <laughs> the craziest hit. Nobody will ever be a more improbable 36-game hitting streak than Dan Uggla. No, with the year he was having. And that season, as it was going on, we're going, how is this happening? <laughs> <laughs> that's Uggs baseball his custom jerseys were great <laughs> the Smediums <laughs> yeah <laughs> he used to walk into the he used to walk into the weight room in sliding shorts and no shirt and just do biceps curls for like 25 minutes and leave <laughs> like Dan you got the best routine in the game I'm, I'm happy for you wish that worked for me he did have some arms man yeah the forearms were god his biceps and his arms were bigger than yeah. my legs. And I was working out. <laughs> it was like a scaled down version of Mark McGuire in the, yeah. the year of the chase. Mark McGuire came into, uh, I was covering the Marlins and they came into pro player, Joe Robbie stadium. And about it was one of the many days when batting practice was ringed out right in the middle of the chase. And they were carting him to a press conference every day. They were doing press conferences every day, you know, Oh, that'd and, be tiring. And they had to hit inside when the and the and the batting cage, it wasn't it was a football stadium, so they didn't have a batting cage that was away from everybody. It was right there along the uh 
concourse. Yeah, I remember that. Downstairs, you could see anybody walking by the concourse or downstairs. Not anybody could walk by downstairs, but rioters, anybody. We could see right in the batting cage. He's in there. And uh, they had picked him up to take him down to the thing. And I'm standing there when they got him. And he walked by me. And he and McGuire wore these cutoffs, sleeves cut off shirts, like tank tops. With uh, And he walked by with a he – he was holding a bat. And he had it like this. He was doing something. And I was like – Holy shit, his arms <laughs> were literally as big as my thighs. And he had, his shoulders went sloped straight down. Remember how he was built? Yeah. But his arms, the shoulder joint was as big as like a basketball. It was, it was ridiculous yeah. how big his arm, his biceps and triceps combination was. Was just freakish, man. Freakish. I never That's why I know like the balls it. are juiced now because he he hit in the home run derby in Colorado in two thousand whatever year last time they had it there and the farthest ball he hit was five oh five. Oh, there guy. was twenty five balls hit farther than McGuire this year. Him with a juice ball, it would be six hundred and fifty feet. <laughs> yeah, him and Soto both that year were so jacked Sosa? up on yeah. Soto. It's Sosa. The two of them were so jacked up and big on roids. It was like they were massive, like Barry. Barry, yeah. Barry sitting in the in the in the you saw Barry sitting in like before games he'd wear that back when the when the undershirts were just coming in the high tech Under Armour tech yeah. fabric Under Armour was yeah. making the tech fabric shirts and people had that, that was the first in baseball they weren't wearing those yet they were wearing them football and everything. Bonds would wear one before the game no jersey on and he came sat in the dugout one day he didn't want to do any interviews but he wanted everybody to see him and he was sitting right. in the dugout with a with a black one of those on and it was just like my God, he looked like he came straight from the from the uh from the football stadium. He looked like a middle linebacker. Yeah. Without his before he put his pads on. He with was with the best swing in the game. <laughs> good lord, he was so ripped. God, he was it was like muscles on top of muscles with Bonds that year. I saw him hit one ball two thousand seven spring training. He he hit a ball. It was the only time I ever saw him hit live. He hit a ball that it looked like it was gonna hit the pitcher in the head fastball in and he stayed inside it drove it up the middle and it tailed all the way to the top left corner of the batter's eye it was thing was still going up when it got there and that that's my only impression of him live and i'll never forget how hard he hit that ball he could have killed somebody man yeah i just wish we had uh uh exit velo back then during the chase oh my god the exit velo on some of those him and sosa mcguire sosa and then on bonds the bond. Oh my God! The exit velo would have been 120. No, I would think doubt. so. I've no never doubt. seen a ball hit anything close to the one ball I saw him hit. And, Nothing and, close to it. And just the distance on some of those some of those bombs, man. Yeah, because we had unofficial distances. I saw one McGuire, and they it was the longest one he ever hit. It was at uh, Old Bush, and it was off the second deck facade. Center field, probably. Second deck facade, way beyond the baseball fence, you know, because that was a multi-purpose thing. Yeah. And they said it was like five forty, and then and then then I saw uh, I saw Big Cat hit one off KB off Kevin Brown. That one in the upper deck, in, upper deck, in Florida. That, that we that I stood up and I thought was going to leave the stadium. We thought it, <laughs> yeah. briefly we thought it was going to leave the stadium. <laughs> that because they initially said five forty nine on that one. And then they scaled it back to like 529. But I, I'm just curious how far that one went. But it was just, it was crazy how far that one went. Yeah, McGuire hit a ball off the back wall of the kingdom too, off of Randy Johnson. That's the farthest one I've ever seen hit on TV, I guess. But that thing, 
I think, yeah, they say they say like five twenty. I'm like the fence is three eighty. The ball's still a hundred feet high, and it's yeah. it it's going fast still. Like it's not on its way down. How about did were you there for the one Vlad hit off Hampton in Montreal? Mm-mm. Oh, oh, you can look that. You can Google that one. And there weren't many people there. Bowman and I were sitting in the press box, and he hit it so far. And when it hit the concrete wall, it was in left field down the line. It was a concrete wall that it hit. You could hear it splat in the press box. <laughs> oh, my God. It was just – it was ungodly what he did to that ball. That's kind of why it sucks that there is all this StatCast stuff because I feel like StatCast buzz kills yeah, some of it. You it know, does. it's like – Guy hits a ball into the upper deck at a park you've never seen a ball hit right. the upper deck before, and Statcast comes through with four twenty nine. Yep, it's so much better to be able to to uh, the myth making and just yeah. describing it to people about because if they could just look it up and it says, "Well, say that was only four ninety five." I'm like, "No, no, that was not four ninety five. No, that you thing know? was six hundred feet. Oh, it says the exit velo was one seventeen. <laughs> it had to be one hundred thirty. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah." But yeah, it does ruin them. Like that that one Ozuna hit in uh, Fenway Park. What'd it they totally say? ruined it. It was like they 430. They said 438. It's like, come on, that was 500, man. And everybody at Fenway that's been at Fenway yeah. for a long time says, I've never seen a ball hit that part hit of the park. And spot. it's a line drive. It wasn't like it was on its yeah. way down when it hit there. Yeah. It was a line drive home run. So StatCast ruins it, man. Because you can't seen argue a ball with there. it. You can't argue yeah. with StatCast. It's like uh, you can say, you can just tell people, everybody that's been there 25 years says there's never been a ball hit to that spot. Broadcasters um, I mean, even, writers. I want to know, though, like even if they're using their projections and philo calculation on, on the balls in the home run derby, do they have a calculation for no humidor and the air in Colorado? Or no, is it just if a ball's hit at this angle, at this speed, this is how far it goes every right, time, right. regardless of where it's hit? What if the wind's blowing out that day? Yeah. Yeah, those projection models – uh, I don't know which ones they're using now, but the ones they initially started with were such bullshit. <laughs> it's like the seats plus 20 feet. And, and do you know that uh, Boston, I was told the, the explanation for that one, which to me sounded primitive because it was like what some ballparks were using initially when not when everybody wasn't clear on how we're going to do this. Some ballparks were using instead of where the ball would have landed, which is the only thing that matters, how far That's the ball would have gone. That's the only thing I care about. I was told Boston was using... That's where the ball stopped. It hit the wall, and that's 400. That, that doesn't matter. Nobody no. cares about what stopped it. So if it hits a bird going overhead, that's 300 feet. You know? <laughs> yeah. If it hits the railing, the walkway, and uh, the catwalk in Tampa Bay, it's a 600-foot homer, but it hits the catwalk at 420, you're going to say 420? No. This is so stupid. But that's what I, I want to see a home ball. run derby on a beach or a desert. <laughs> no, nothing to stop the ball. And I want people just to go out there with a tape measure and tell me how far it was. Like the one I saw Incavilia hit when I was in college, when he was at Oklahoma state at university of Kansas, he Inky hit one. There was some tall trees in center field, tall. And he hit one over the trees landed in a part. In a, there was a dorm beyond there. There's another building in the way now, but there was a dorm beyond there, but it was like 250 feet from the ballpark. At least <laughs> he went over the, over the, the, trees landed in the parking lot and then bounced bounced all the way and hit the dorm it was it was crazy it was like one of those that you hear about willie mays or or mickey mantle hitting out of the ballpark but it was like when it's finally stopped it was like 900 feet from where you know because it (laughs) it bounced to there but it had to have been 550 feet in the air there's no doubt my mind with aluminum bat in cavilia it was it was criminal what he did to balls yeah, and they didn't used to limit those metal bats. Oh, yeah. They limit them now. Bore. They have like a max exit 
Right. It was the same one you use like little leaguers, you know, full yeah. on aluminum. Yeah. Inky would just, oh my God. Look at how many home runs Inky hit in college. Okay. He hit he had like 40 in one year. Jesus. Inky was I saw, ridiculous. I saw Beltre and Richie Sexton hit with metal bats. They pulled him <laughs> out in Arizona. <laughs> And I don't know where they got it, but they found a metal bat somewhere. And so they took BP with it and they wound up hitting stuff. They wound up breaking things yeah. in Arizona and they had to write a check because they did damage to the stadium. But guys were hitting balls like <laughs> Javi 600 something feet without even swinging hard. Javi Lopez did that for a couple of swings. I think it was at Turner Field. And it was like, that, oh, whoa, whoa. It was the same thing. It was like, that's crazy. Get Put that down, man. <laughs> if I was a hitting coach, I might have a guy do that just to get his confidence up. <laughs> go ahead out there and go to the driving range. Big leaguers with aluminum bats. That is that, scary. I want, I want to see a home run derby with big leaguers using aluminum bats in the offseason. That would be fun. If they juiced the balls and gave them some juiced up metal That'd bats, fun, they could hit. Man. it'd be fun to watch guys hit them 700 Do it in feet. the offseason where they can't f- screw up their swings and everything. Be you fun. ever seen those long haul bomber, long yeah. haul bombers? Yeah, those guys hit balls out of stadiums. Yeah, those things are so juiced though, and the guys are roided out of their mind. Yeah. That'd be fun though. I offer like you know a hundred grand, you know, as first prize, two hundred grand, whatever. Make it worth the guys. See who shows up. Fly them there for the weekend. Put them up nice. Put it. Do it in Vegas in the week yeah. in, in the off season in Vegas. Be fun. Set a field up out in the desert and let them just nuke balls. <laughs> That'd be fun. Got one of the, you could go, it. or you could do it in Phoenix in the offseason. Do it at yeah. one of those ballparks there. That'd be fun. I'd watch that. I'd like to see it at a major league stadium, though, just so you yeah, have some reference of, yeah. of where the balls are hitting. Have some context. Yeah, like a like a stadium with three decks all the way around or whatever. Something or like Wrigley City and Field. just watch it hit the buildings. Oh, Wrigley would be cool to watch it there. <laughs> Somebody might hit the, uh, the, the, uh, the pool at Truist Park. Somebody might hit one in the pool. Beyond Up center. top. Beyond center field. <laughs> Or hit that uh, that uh, van, that RV they have on the upper deck. That's a, like a concession stand. There's a sun, like a uh, what is it, Sunstream RV up there. I'd watch. It's on the third deck. Somebody might hit that thing. All right, we'll uh, we'll do this again after they open up this road trip in St. Lou. And just when everybody started all frustrated and giving up on America, I think the Braves, this was my, when they might reel off like a six-game winning streak against one of yep. these bad teams. Not against St. Louis necessarily, but one of these teams coming up. Orioles. It's got to happen. Yeah. It's got to happen at some point. All right. That's 755 is real. We'll talk again. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.